you say momhood? Momhood. <gasps> Finally. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Momhood. Happy Wednesday, mamas. Happy Wednesday. This is such a good, useful, all of the tips kind of an episode. Also, I love the way that we came up with this because we actually asked a lot of you, our listeners, our mom friends, people in the health space, education space, for all the advice, all the goodness on how to navigate this coming school year because none of us really know what to do. So we have all the answers for you, or at least some of them. Yeah, well, I think that's the reason why uh, we were both so excited is we're like, this is just... It's really positive. It's like things you can do. So instead of sitting there and feeling overwhelmed and anxious about what do I do, this whole episode is just about practical things that you can apply, where to put your priorities, what to let just fall you know, on the wayside and just say, ah, screw it, so that you can actually enjoy this time you're going to have with your family. Because one of the first things we're going to we're going to hear is just that time is so precious. And even if this is a crazy time, this is still time that you have when your kids are young and you're all in the house together and like, you sh we should enjoy it. So this is such a good episode. We're going to start off with a rock star in my mind. We're going to start off with Connor's kindergarten teacher. Her name is Mrs. Godinez. And she is like, I mean, if I tell you she's like a rock star at the school, I'm not kidding. Every parent wants two minutes alone with her. Every kid is obsessed with her. Like, She's one of those people who the moment she starts just talking about kids, she starts crying. She just thinks they are the key to everything that is good in this world. They are hope embodied. They are joy embodied, love embodied. Like she is just magical. And so I, uh, you know, sat down with her and we talked a little bit and, and take a listen. It's so lovely. I want to talk to you about this and get all your perspective on potentially going back to remote learning again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I have discovered this is this coming year will be my 19th year of teaching kindergarten, my 20, I think, seventh year of being a teacher. I've also taught high school and in between. I try my very hardest to learn something new every day, which is hard to do when you do the exact same thing for eight years. <laughs> For the most part, I think it's been successful. I'm definitely a way better teacher now than I was 18 years ago. Wisdom is something that is, is so important, but you don't get it without living it. Living it, living it, living it. So what they need in kindergarten, there's a foundation that they need to learn. And it's a three-part foundation, equal parts. Academic is not the be-all, end-all, of what they need to know in kindergarten, especially. Yeah. That's yeah. part of it, but it's only a third of it. Another third of it is emotional, being able to function in the world without your mommy and daddy right there, knowing that you're, an, you're your own individual person that has power to um, say no to somebody if they're bothering you, to say, yes, I can do that, even though you've never done it before. So there's all of that kind of emotional thing going on coming from learning it and learning it from your peers and yeah. someone else other than your parents. And then there's a third part, the third third, which is the social. And the social is so important. And especially for only children, but for all children, it's very important for them 
to learn how to be, I, I'm, I'm using the word intimate, but just have a, have a, a, just a conversation. One of the games that I play with them, it's called flip-flop. Everybody gets a flip-flop shoe. I break them into pairs. One flip-flop says A, one flip-flop says Q. And the person with the A flip-flop asks a question, simple question, like what's your favorite candy? Yeah. And that other person answers it. And that person has to remember what the other person said. So it's not all about them and their own center of the world kind of a deal. And then after that, they flip-flop and ask the other one. And, the, and then I go around the circle and I say, what's your friend's favorite candy? What's your friend's favorite candy? And when we first start playing it, it's more like maybe 70% of them remember. And, and, and that kind of thing, that kind of communication yeah. thing, especially in this world with so many devices. Well, and that's, I think, one of the things that parents are struggling with the most is we know that devices and too much time in front of devices and television isn't good for our kids. Yet now we know we're going to be potentially launching into another however many months of nonstop devices and it's their only way to learn. And for some of them, it's their only way to have any kind of social interaction is FaceTiming and Zooming with their friends and their cousins. And so I think that's another element that a lot of us are feeling yeah. worried about. As, as you talked about the the emotional, the social, and the academic, I would assume that through remote learning, we'll be able to maintain academic, you know, maybe not to its normal level, but we'll no, be able to maintain definitely it. not to its normal level, but yes, we'll be able to maintain it. Yeah. Theoretically, that's one thing we can say, okay, eh, we can, we can kind of make that function, yeah, but the kinda. emotional and the social is, I think what we're starting to get really worried about. And so I don't know, are there exercises we can do with our kids or are there priorities that we should be putting in place that can in some way supplement that emotional and social learning yeah. that they are no longer getting at school? Well, that you're worried? Well, you should be worried because yeah. it's a very important part of development of a child. Very important. So when I first started remote learning, day before we started, I told the technical people, I need to be able to talk, look at their face and talk to them. And I need to be able to make videos for them. Yeah. If I can do that, then I can figure the rest out. And they said, well, we don't know. We'll figure it out. And sure enough, we figured it out and it was possible to do. There's a way to do it so that they still feel connected to me. Yeah. They still feel that I am looking at them and I am interested in what they're doing, just like in the classroom and that I am watching them and mm -hmm. I'm encouraging them. And so what I started to do was I started to include in the daily assignments work that was, that was more of a project. Yeah. Set aside time at the end of the day where we could all share that. Not just you're coming and you're looking at me talk and I'm asking you a question and you're asking me a question. You have produced something that we can all learn from yeah. so that you still have that kind of a it's your turn, share with everybody. We all wanna know what you created. And one thing that I liked that you did that I think probably helps a lot with the social aspect, and even as you talked about the question and answer is after someone would share something, that kid had the opportunity to pick on a classmate who had a question. Yes. And so then it, it sort of empowered and rewarded the students for watching, paying attention and having some kind of question that propelled the conversation forward exactly. that was not about them. Exactly, you know? exactly. And that's what I do in the classroom. 
yeah. trying to translate the things that I've learned through the years that work for everybody and make everybody a better person every day, trying to translate that into online learning. It wasn't easy. Yeah. There's ways to do it where you can. Now, even if there's like a, like a, like a zoom with your friends, you can still have a purposeful zoom with your friends. Mm, I like that. Um, well, like even when we, when we zoom for birthdays, I don't have everybody just come and zoom and sing happy birthday. Everybody draws a picture of what the birthday person um, likes. Everybody comes with their picture and shows the birthday person. I don't know if I have one right here. What we're looking at right now is this really cute. It says happy birthday, AJ with a giant soccer ball and a little soccer player holding the giant soccer ball. And everybody in the class made soccer pictures for AJ's birthday. Exactly. And so then each student had the opportunity to show what they made. There was not only art involved, it was caring about someone else. It was the pride of sharing your work and that whole engagement um, with you sort of moderating the entire thing, along with all the other teachers, all the other teachers right. are super involved as well, but right. allowing it to be moderated so that there's some structure and it's not the kids going wild. Right. Um, and, and I think too, you had the ability to obviously mute when you needed everyone to focus on what you were saying and open it up when it was time for them to be involved, much exactly. like it is in the classroom. Yeah. And, and eventually when this all goes back, I'm going to miss that expect the mute mute all it'll just become something you say they'll be like a, you like, need like a new yeah you just hold a little sign exactly a microphone line through it so so for us as far as some of the emotional stuff is concerned are there certain signs that we should be looking at with our kids a change in behavior or something to notice that they're struggling maybe without us have uh, even being aware that they're struggling it's taking an emotional toll on us adults and I you just imagine, and with all that we know and all that we can kind of figure out and twist and turn and make it better for everybody as much as we can, they're kind of helpless about it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a giant thing for them also. So I would say mostly just talk about it. Talk about, well, what can we do? Like get creative, do creative things. What's a fun thing that we can do? I know that your children have a small play group. That's genius. You can't um, just keep them isolated. You can't keep anybody isolated without affecting yeah. you, especially children. Children in, in school, that's it's one of my one of my biggest things that I got like cross at them about was don't hug people so much. They're like that. They just love to touch each other and cling to each other and and um show their enthusiasm for each other because that's a natural kind of emotion that's a natural kind of action for them when they don't have that it makes a difference yeah it's just there's certain things you have to do to fill in that gap and if it's just pick two people that you know are being extra cautious about this whole thing and at least two people and do things with those two it's like your family. I agree. It's been a it's been a lifesaver for sure. And you know, they don't need that much. Just having a small group, a couple of kids to get all that energy out. And especially kids that are at the same, that think the same silly things are funny that they think are funny. You know, sometimes it's like I feel bad when, you know, Connor or Blake will be making jokes and I'm working and I'm just not in the headspace to 
laugh at it. You know what I'm like? They need that encouragement. They're funny kids. Like, yes. but I can't, I can't always give that to them. I'm in, I'm dealing with my own stuff. I'm dealing with my own work. I'm dealing with yeah. my own stress and anxiety about what's going on. You know, you know, this yeah. Michael's a police officer. I'm dealing with all of that stuff. Like there's enough that I can't be all things to them. Right. And and knowing that in yourself and saying, okay, so then what can I do to give them what they need? Because I can't be all of it. You have to keep it all, your plate spinning in the air at this yeah. time that this is all going on. That's, it's just beyond anything that we ever, it's, it's a, it's a lot at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. You're so good with words that I like, don't want to let you go, <laughs> I but I just want to be like, is there any, is there mm. any last just like a hope for all of these kids, a hope for all of these parents, what we can on the other side of this come out and look at it and say, well, you know, it was insane, but you know what was kind of magical? X, Y, Z. Like, is there any sort right. of hope that you have? See, now you're going to make me cry. See, there damn it. it. I know. I know. I, and you're going to make me cry back. Great. The hope is that everything that you, that you do with children, especially, everything needs to come from a place of love. Every single thing needs to come from a place of love and appreciation. Because as I go through the years, time is so, so valuable and you should never waste it no matter what the circumstances are. That time that you have is more valuable than anything that, anything that you have because you can use it, pour love into that time and just make make the world a better place. Even if your world is this big, make yeah. that part of your world a better place. And because the, the children are already there making it a better place. When we started Google Classroom, I was so scared. I was so scared. But those children made me laugh and smile every single day, every single day. They are truly a God's gift. One of the quotes that I do at the, at the kindergarten graduation is from Charles Dickens. And he says, it is not a slight thing when they who are so fresh from God love us. Oh my God, that's going to make me cry. <laughs> yeah. That's really the sweetest. Yeah. It's, it actually starts, I love these little people. And it is not a slight thing when they who are so fresh from God love us. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. We're going to figure it out and do better. Like it will never be March again. It will yeah. never be like it was in March because we've all kind of figured it out. And you just yeah. have to remember time is valuable no matter how you're, how this, what the circumstances around you and just use it the best you can. Thank you for taking your time and, and, sitting here with me for a few minutes it's so nice to see your face you're welcome it's nice your to voice. see you too thank you so much for thinking of me yeah I'm so glad to share you with everybody <laughs> <laughs> okay. well thanks we'll see you we'll talk to you soon love you oh my gosh Mrs. G I wish I had her as a teacher I know she is the shiz man she really is I thought that one of the things that was so helpful was that she just broke down what the three most important things are that school provides to our kids and that it's equal parts academic social and emotional and so to remember that 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 social and emotional part really is just as important and feeding that is just as can be just as simple as having your kids do something for someone else like 
that in and of itself, that little birthday picture that they all do for the Zooms was this really like well thought out thing that she had so that each kid could be included and do something for someone other than themselves. I know. And I love that she also just talks about how there's so much importance in connecting with each other. Yeah. Like the fact that we are creating that at our home and our kids are able to get on Zoom and connect. Like we should be encouraging if we can't do pods, we can't do bubbles or like little play groups, at least have them connect with their classmates or with their friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was one thing that we are going to hear a couple of times throughout is that if you are doing like virtual play dates, there should be some kind of a purpose to it. It shouldn't just be the two kids jump on and then that's it. And they're left to their own devices. There should be like a plan, an activity, a game that they could play, or each of them draws a picture together, something so that there's a focus and like almost a goal with each of these things. And that's really going to give them a little bit of that emotional, social connection that they can really benefit from. Yeah. My girlfriend's friend dropped off like a little friendship bracelet making kit for the girls. And then all week they were looking forward to Thursday at 10 AM because they were both going to be making their friendship bracelet. And then what's even better is when they made the bracelet, they dropped off each bracelet with each other because the whole point was you're making the bracelet for the friend. That see, I mean, a little bit of planning, but like, that's the excitement. Like those are things that we kind of have to facilitate, but they work. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be done every day. Like it can be something once a week, you know, it doesn't need to be done every day, but I do think that that's important. And even as you're watching how remote learning is going for your kids, if you're noticing that the teachers, let's say, aren't doing something like this, and it is just sort of sit down and learn, notice that and say, okay, great. So then, you know, once a week we'll do a zoom with three or four friends and we'll do something that is like, Hey, each of you draw a picture for your friend, talk about what made you think of them, why you did that. So if you're noticing it's not happening, no problem. You can just do, do one for yourself and facilitate that on your own. Great. So next up is my girlfriend, Samantha. She's a middle school assistant principal. And there's just something so calming about hearing her talk as someone that's part of the administration. So she is leading her teachers during this time. She's a mom and a mom-to-be. So she's pregnant with her second. And I think that the main thing that I got from this is just this idea that we're all in this together, that the administration, the secretaries, the teachers, the TAs, everyone is kind of in this together. And as long as you keep that line of communication uh, with your families, like everyone's a little more flexible. Everyone's a little more understanding. Yeah, absolutely. This is so good. All right, guys, take a listen. Hi there, mamas. My name is Samantha and I'm a middle school assistant principal in Southern California. I'm also a mom to a sweet and energetic 18-month-old daughter and I'm seven months pregnant with her little sister. I wanted to jump into this great conversation to share a few tips for your school-aged children, but also want you to know that I fully understand the stressors of being a working mom. Teachers and school staff understand that everyone has a lot on their plate. I think one of the most important things while your children are participating in distance learning or a hybrid learning schedule is to keep communication open with your child's teacher. For instance, we have some middle school students at my school who need to help their younger siblings with schoolwork, and so their families have worked it out with teachers to have flexible times they are submitting assignments. Don't be afraid to ask your child's teacher questions, share family stressors, or ask for suggestions in assisting your child. Another important thing I was thinking about um, is to remember that children around the country and the world actually are all experiencing this unusual time in their educational experience. It's hard not to get caught up on what your child is missing out on, 
but teachers and administrators are working hard to prioritize and keep track of standards taught as well as those that may be missed. Trust the educators to worry about this and don't make this an added stress on your plate. Students of all ages need structure and balance. Try to have your children on some sort of routine on school days, even if it's a bit different from their normal routine. It will help your entire household run more smoothly if they know what to expect during the day. I know many of you are already taking advantage of this wonderful opportunity to spend more time outside. Keep it up. Authentic learning occurs in nature, when your children are cooking with you, when they are learning to fix something around the house, or even if you get them involved when you are paying bills. Finally, give yourself a break. You are juggling even more than normal during this quarantine, and if your children feel safe and loved, you are doing a great job. Children are so much more resilient than they are given credit for. Don't forget to take the time to grab a cup of tea and catch a breather. From one mom to another, I'm sending you lots of positive vibes and support during this crazy time. Oh my gosh, she's great. I, I really agree. I think the idea that the, the overall tone of we're in this together, and not only that everyone literally almost in the whole world is experiencing a similar thing. So you're not, you know, in some world where no one understands what you're talking about and doesn't have sympathy for you. Everyone really does understand it. But also that because of that, you can have a much more open communication about what's working for you and what's not. Yeah, you shouldn't feel like you're alone and no one else is dealing with this. And something that she brought up that reminded me of this post that I read on Facebook from a girlfriend was she has just been struggling to figure out like who's going to help one of her kids who's in third grade because yeah. she doesn't have an older sibling and the younger siblings in daycare. And Samantha even says, you know, if your child is typically used to helping the younger sibling with schoolwork or homework, like tell us so that we can talk to the teacher and see if there's flexibility with their homework assignments. Yeah. So that understanding alone just like lifts such a burden off a parent's plate and shoulders, knowing that, wait a second, the teacher might actually be flexible on some of these deadlines. I think normally school is school and you kind of just feel like you got to fit right in. It starts at this time. It ends at this time. These are the rules. This is the thing. It's like this box that everyone must fit in. Well, all of the walls of the box have been blown open and there is no <laughs> box anymore. And it's blown just, up. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of like, now is the time where you actually have the ability, the flexibility, and the understanding to really tweak things to your liking as best as you can. So you don't need to feel like you have to fit in that box. Everything is game. Just communicate with everybody. And I think another thing I really like that she talked about is some sort of routine it doesn't need to look anything like it looked when we were pre-COVID or back in school last year or whatever, um, but some sort of routine will be helpful for them, the kids, and helpful for you. Yeah, I mean, be flexible, but just that expectation that they know what's coming next and leave room for, you know, for different things to come up. But yeah, I mean, kids thrive on that. And especially now, the number one thing is they need to feel safe and they need to know that we're taking care of them yeah. and, and what to expect next. Also, I love how she talks about just authentic learning that help and happens every day in the home. I mean, I always talk about this. There's so much beauty in the fact that our kids are home with us. They're watching us do all the things because they're not at school. They see that oh wait a second you know mommy cooks dinner starting at 3 p.m like there's a lot of things that happen my my sheets are clean in my bed because mommy does laundry so all of these learning lessons like real life lessons they're learning with us and there's such an opportunity to 
teach them those things. Yeah, it was funny when she first said authentic learning occurs in nature, I thought she meant like outside. And but but then I'm like, oh, she just means like literally in real life. What your world is, include them in those processes because they'll learn math by doing bills with you. They'll learn organization by clean like all of these things are important parts of their again, emotional, social, academic. Uh, also, when we were doing these interviews, we actually got a lot of feedback from a lot of you, our listeners, and we weren't able to include everything, but I did want to point out that we talked to other teachers who had similar uh, mindset about what Samantha said. Also, I got some great information from Rachel Cook. She's a behavior therapist, and she had some really great points about how to connect with your children when you're teaching. And one of the basic things was thinking about what they're interested in. So I know that a lot of moms have DM'd us about how am I supposed to be a teacher when I've never taught before? Like, I don't understand. Sometimes I'm reading these lesson plans and I just don't get it. I don't, I don't feel like I'm capable. And one of the tips that Rachel shared with us was figure out what their interests are. If they love dinosaurs, if they love mini, if they like cars, like find a way to get on the floor with them and, and teach them that way and then apply what you learned to the workbook. Um, and even just getting down and connecting with them. Like this is the time to toss out what you just said, all this like, black and white learning, this boxed learning, this system learning, and do things that are different, do things that are a little Montessori, a little homeschool. Um, actually, that reminds me, I have to say now before I forget, guys, this Friday during our happy hour at 3.30 p.m. Pacific on Instagram, at Momhood Show, I'm having a homeschool teacher on. She's been homeschooling for over 10 years, and guys, homeschooling is different than what we are all going to be doing, this distance learning stuff. But what I love is when I talk to her, she has so many amazing tips and tricks and just her perspective on how we can connect with our children at home. Like, this is such a beautiful opportunity that a lot of us are going to have. I'm telling you, like, there is so much good that is going to come out of this next challenging school year. Um, so please tune into that because after we did all these interviews, I think Orly and I just felt so much better. Like, we felt like we could actually handle this. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's allowing us to focus on just the priorities we need to focus on. What do our kids actually need? What do we actually need? What is work going to look like? What is the biggest time of the day that I need the most help? Great. I'm going to prioritize that. I'm going to ask for help for that. Whatever it is, like bite-size priorities. I was just going to say little at a time. I yeah. love that. Orly's doing this thing with her hand <laughs> where she just like is reminding us. It's not the big things where you put your arms way out. It's just these tiny little things, like little hills, not the big mountain. We're going to just get over the hill together. Yeah. So our next expert is Brianna Kappa de Cunnell. She's a licensed and marriage and family therapist, a mental health specialist. If you guys follow us on Instagram, her Instagram is at South Bay Mommy and Me, and we share a lot of her infographics. She always gives a ton of great, useful information. And when we talk to her, uh, what I like is she really validated and acknowledged how difficult this time is for parents. Like we are the unsung heroes. And she talks about the effects that this has on us, on our homes, um, but then she offers some really great tips on where to put our focus on. Exactly. And that's where we start the interview is right when she gets into like, this is what you should do right now. And that's literally, I think, the first line. So let's take a listen. The most selfless thing you could do for your children right now, literally right this instant, is examine what your needs are and figure out a way to get them met. This might be accomplished by letting go of some expectations, embracing therapy, or seeking more help from your partner. 
If you're a single mom, connecting with a couple other single moms who you trust so that you can lean on each other. We need support physically, but we also need support emotionally. We are holding a lot, and eventually, our container is going to fill. In therapy circles, we refer to this feeling as compassion fatigue. If you're beginning to feel resentful of your situation, if you're feeling irritable, angry, frustrated, annoyed, especially when you're needed by your child or your partner, your spouse, your boss, you are probably experiencing compassion fatigue. What do we do when we are experiencing this? We take a break. We give ourselves permission to rest, to unwind. We make space for these deeply complicated and nuanced feelings that we are balancing. Perhaps we journal, seek therapy, or seek counsel from a trusted, intuitive friend. Self-care is not an afterthought, especially during COVID. Self-care is an absolute necessity for every single parent to get through these tough times that we're in. Now, self-care is not necessarily bubble baths and champagne, but if that is your jam, great, do it. I think, and I like to think of self-care as more basic necessities and soul-enhancing things like proper nutrition, proper hydration, getting your thyroid checked or going to the doctors, moving your body in a way that feels meaningful to you, meditation, prayer, singing, or doing something creative. Prioritize it and integrate it as a daily practice that you do to honor yourself, your body, your mind, and the hard work that you do as a parent. And your children will thank you. Another form of self-care is combating um, comparative suffering. I first learned about comparative suffering through the work of Brene Brown. She describes this as invalidating one's experiences by way of comparing to another experience that may be more challenging. For example, you might be complaining that your work is overwhelming you and a friend says, well, you should feel grateful that you still have work. I was fired last week and don't know how we're going to pay the rent next month. This is comparative suffering, and it's a trap that leaves you feeling drained, guilty, and shamed. The truth is, everyone's experiences are valid and are worthy of having space held for them. You can be feeling overwhelmed by your job, while your friend can be simultaneously feeling overwhelmed by lack of employment. One does not negate the other. These are not mutually exclusive experiences. Forced gratitude does nothing but feed comparative suffering. Forced gratitude says, I should be feeling grateful because things aren't that bad for me. They could be way worse. Well, that might be true theoretically. Wouldn't we benefit from a daily gratitude practice instead? One that that does not downplay the seriousness of what we are all experiencing while also embracing the joys that we feel for what we do have. For example, I praise God every day that I have steady work and a job that I love doing. At the same time, I recognize that I am overwhelmed by the bleak prospects and all the what-ifs that run rampant in my mind. In infant mental health, we believe a parent's mental health is a child's mental health. When parents are doing well, children will do fine. I gotta say, I love so much that self-care is not an afterthought. She is saying it must be prioritized for your well-being, for the well-being of your family. And I like that she says, like, she kind of dispels that, like, self-care is not like a freaking bubble bath for everybody. Like, right. what, what gives you peace? Like, for me lately, 
my jam is every day going out on my sofa outside with my journal and writing. The kids aren't allowed outside with me during that time. I put a show on for them. I sit there by myself. It's beautiful outside and I write. And that is my self-care, much more than I would get from a manicure or a bubble bath because- Well, even when she mentions getting your mammogram, going to get a physical, yeah. like self-care is also prioritizing what's important for us because if we're okay, our kids are okay. And I think that too often we relate self-care to beauty and to just getting like all this feminine girl time. Yeah. And really that's not what self-care is about. It's about figuring out what makes you thrive, what makes you know you fill up your, your self-worth tank, yeah. which gives you a reset. All of those great juicy energy things, that's what you should be doing. And I also loved, which I, I'd never heard this term before, but man, have I experienced it, comparative suffering. To me, that idea when we, she, she said, it's a trap that leaves you feeling drained, guilty, and shamed. And man, I just resonate with that so much because when you do have a life that's been blessed in so many ways, it feels like you're not allowed to say out loud anything that you're suffering with because somewhere, anywhere, someone is suffering more. And so how dare you complain about your thing when there are people in the world who don't have X, Y, Z. And that is such, it's such a load of bull, first of all, but it, but we all get stuck into it. And so then we sort of swallow our own pain and it, it suffer, we suffer from the inside. Orly, I feel like this got brought up during Kim Caldwell's happy hour or one of the happy hours, which we were talking about measuring pain mm -hmm. and how there is no measurement for pain. So just because your girlfriend was hurt or affected more so by X, Y, and Z, but you weren't, doesn't mean that it's less hurtful to her. And I think it's important. Comparison is the thief of joy. It takes away from us. It takes away from others. And we have to stop. Yeah, I've never heard that term before. Comparative yeah. suffering. Like, and why she do, we do that. And she said what tends to follow is forced gratitude, where we're not really sitting in gratitude because we don't actually feel grateful for that thing because we're suffering in that thing. But we know we should feel grateful because someone else doesn't have it. And so it's this mm -hmm. fake forced gratitude. It's you're acting. And your body knows the difference, your brain knows the difference. And so it's this toxic combination. So really allow yourself to suffer in the things that you're suffering in. Try to figure out how to make those things better if possible, but don't punish yourself for suffering in an experience where maybe someone has it worse. Guys, we keep focusing on our kids. Oh my gosh, our kids, I feel so bad for them. They don't get to see their friends anymore. They're missing art class, soccer got canceled. Like all these woe is me for our kids, but we're not really focusing on how we are taking care of ourselves because our kids, our vibrations, our energy, they are feeding off of that. They're gonna be okay. It's, yeah. it's us we need to worry about. <laughs> it's so true. Okay, so our next one, uh, this is Hope Malone. She's a mental health professional and she's a mother. And so I, what I really like about where she comes at it is she sort of tackles both sides. One, the personal experience as a mother and then sort of the professional advice um, as a mental health professional and how those two things interweave. It, it felt to me very based in reality, you know, because she's experiencing it from both sides as so many of us are. So let's let's take a listen. Some of the things that have worked for me and my clients were validating the kids' feelings and sharing our own. Letting them know that they're not alone and that you're frustrated too helps a lot. I think it helped James, my son especially, to know that mommy was angry and frustrated and scared too because then it validated all of his feelings and he was able to open up and talk about them a little more. 
sharing with them what you're doing to keep them safe. I think giving them concrete evidence of how you're keeping them safe and what you're doing is helpful too. As parents, we do everything in our power to make sure our babies are safe. And them knowing that and being reminded of that is so helpful. In the early months, we were all on edge and I was even terrified to leave the house. I didn't know what this looked like. We still don't have the answers. So as a result, I definitely left the house less. That ended up with a lot of separation anxiety for my son. I thought I was the only one for a while until I started talking to my clients and realized, no, their kids who are school age, elementary age, were also having separation anxiety. So what we discussed was leaving the house, even if it's for a little bit, even if you're sitting in your car for an hour, if you're lucky enough to not be the only parent in your household and you have somebody else who can take the kids for a few minutes, get out of the house. They need to know that you're going to leave and you will return and you will be okay. Giving them age-appropriate information and modern, monitoring the information they're receiving is really, really important. Most of our kids are on devices. They have access to so much and they obtain it so quickly. Making sure they're receiving it from credible sources, something that we've done to help with the difficulties with social distancing or the effects of social distancing rather, has been bubbling. I know this isn't for everyone and it can be considered controversial, but for us, we've been lucky enough to have close friends with kids around the same age and we've agreed to merge houses with essentially. We act as we're, we, we're one family unit, we limit outings, we run errands for each other just to limit the outside exposure. What this got us was time to have outdoor play dates together as a family a couple of times a week, which really decreased my son's anxiety and behavioral issues. A lot of the families I work with have also done the same, but it's not for everybody and everybody isn't able to do it. And then if you're not able to bubble or don't feel comfortable doing socially distanced outings, virtual play dates are still really important. Plan ahead of the types of activities that they can do so that they're not left up to their own devices. Winning games are like taking turns. Guess who in battleships are amazing. Guessing games like charade or Pictionary is also a lot of fun. Art projects with supplies sent in advance are great. Another thing that's been really important is sharing ideas with your friends, like find your tribe. What works one week may not work the other. We will constantly have to be reinventing the wheel. Having a group to share what ideas have worked and what didn't really has helped. It's helped me as a therapist. It's helped me as a mom. Continuing routines to the best of your ability and giving yourself grace. I had this beautifully colorful, colorful schedule that like went to crap in three days. We try to get some outdoors every day, keep meals around the same time. As much as you can have structure in your day, the more secure your child will feel and the less anxiety your kid will have. Now that we're home, we are the constants. So yes, the world outside is crazy, but mom, dad, caregiver, whoever is there as the adult in our child's life, we are the constants. And if we're doing okay, then hopefully they'll be doing okay too. There was something so interesting about listening to her talk, knowing that she's in New York. Like she is in like the, this big metropolitan city, this hub of COVID and, and hearing her talk about what she's doing. And also there was something so humbling about knowing she's a mental health professional and she has experienced all the feelings that we're feeling. Like there's, it never gets old to know that someone that does this for a living also is feeling the same fears and stressors as us. 
Yeah. Yeah. There, one of the things that I really like that she talks about is sharing age appropriate information with your kids, because I think we can go to the extreme. We can say they're not ready to hear about this and, and to turn off the news and, and we're just staying home for a while and everything's fine and not sharing anything with them. And then there's also letting the news just run all day long and having them overhear things and see things. And especially if they're you know old enough that they can read and obviously they can understand. So there's a sweet spot between giving them enough information so they understand what's going on, why they're wearing a mask in public, why we're at home, you know, what we're doing to, um, to cope as a family and all of that stuff, but not burdening them with information they're not really capable of absorbing. Um, I thought that that was really, to me, a really, a good reminder. Huge, and I've even seen that with, with Millie as young as being two years old, making sure that she knows COVID-19 bug, why we aren't doing playdates, why the playgrounds are closed. Like, it's important to remind your child what you're doing to keep them safe, to keep them informed. Um, because also, even if you don't have the TV on, if you're talking to your partner about what's going on, if you're talking to a friend on the phone, they're still hearing that, they're still absorbing that. And you want to make sure that they still trust you and that they feel like they're a part of what's going on. Uh, I love that she said, find your tribe. If you can find another family to do playdates, go for it. I've been getting a lot of DMs from friends asking if we're doing playdates with Millie. And I mentioned, yeah, we have a couple families that we've been doing you know, outdoor playdates with. But she even says, find families that you guys can help each other out, like grocery shopping, limiting the amount of time that you're going out, that you're exposing yourselves. Um, I thought that was really cool. I mean, I think it's different where she lives yeah. because it's such a big to-do, but... I think it's important that we remember that there has to be some type of connection. So if you can form pods or playdates or bubbles and you feel okay about it, you have to do it. There's something so important about that connection that we still have. Yeah, that's the one thing that we've heard a couple, quite a few times now from everyone that we've spoken to is that that is something that you should try to prioritize if you can. Find the people that are handling this in a similar way to you so your mindsets on it are alike and form a little group with them so that not only you as adults can have some time and some space and a date in your backyard and hangouts and you know couple dates or whatever, but also that your kids are getting that engagement. That was one thing that I talked about with Miss Godinez was that, you know, even something as simple as where my kids' sense of humor is right now developmentally, it's important that they're around kids who think the same things are funny so that that's getting reinforced in them. Like mm -hmm. I might not laugh at that joke, but all of their friends would roll on the floor laughing and they need that positive reinforcement to build their sense of humor. So I think that is, you know, one thing, one of the biggest takeaways I got was that, yeah, if you can figure out a way to pod or bubble or do whatever, it's an important, sorry, my yeah, husband's well, one iPod other thing, is ringing. One That's other it. thing that came up too um, with me and some friends is a lot of kids that aren't gonna be going to preschool and school, they're now hesitant to do play dates. And I'm so confused by that. Now that's why I wanted to mention it in this podcast right now is if you were planning on putting your child in school, regular school or part-time school and now that it's all distance learning and now you're hesitant about outdoor play dates what does that really mean like what are the fears there so i think it's important that we really listen to these experts and understand what they're saying they're not saying just throw all the rules out but if you can find another family that you trust that's treating this quarantine and this pandemic similarly use it to your benefit and and use it for your kids benefit too yeah 
Yeah, there, uh, there was one um, other person we had who sent something in and we just weren't able to connect um, in time, but I wanted to share a little bit of what she shared. Her name's Barina Wasserstein. She's an art therapist in New York and she works mainly with teens and tweens. And what I found to be most fascinating is that she said that right now, because of the exposure to devices, mm-hmm. you know, I, they're learning on their iPads. They, you know, teens and tweens mostly have their own cell phones. They're allowed to have those cell phones in their room. What's happening is that the overexposure to these devices is messing up their sleep-wake cycle. So maybe they're on this you know, later than they should be or whatever it is, they're not getting as much sleep and they're sleep deprived. And the wow. symptoms of sleep deprivation I don't know if this is across the board or specifically with teens and tweens, but the symptoms of sleep deprivation mimic the symptoms of depression. And kids are being misdiagnosed and medicated for depression when really they're just sleep deprived. So if you are... Right. So if you are a mom who has older kids, teens or tweens, or maybe your sister does or your brother does or a friend of yours does, I think it's really important to share with them if they're noticing things that their fear is that it's depression, it's consider it might just be sleep deprivation. Remove the devices from their bedroom at night. They can have their own passcode on it if you're worried about privacy or they are, right? But just say you're not allowed to have it in your room and see if something changes in them because the power of that sleep deprivation, she says that teens and tweens need more than eight and a half hours of sleep, that we now know they need more than eight and a half and they're not getting it. So I thought that that was so fascinating and I, I'm hoping we'll be able to do a, a more in-depth interview with her because she had such amazing info, but right? Isn't That's that crazy? so interesting, but it makes so much sense. I mean, it happens to us and we've even talked to experts before that you need at least 30 minutes after you've been on a screen to actually decompress and relax and so forth. And I've talked to parents that have teenagers and they've been saying, oh, my kid's so depressed, he misses his friends or she's just been so lonely. And they're giving the devices because there's so many great benefits to being able to connect with your friends on TikTok and Facebook and Zoom or whatever else. But it could definitely be sleep deprivation because they're just using it as this like drug Mm -hmm. scrolling online at hours of the night and then not getting enough sleep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, well, guys, I hope that all of this information was helpful. Brandy and I always joke that when we do these, we say we're doing them for you, but really we're doing them for us <laughs> because we end up, we always end up feeling so much better and feeling like we've got a handle on things because we're prepared and we've got the info from the experts. So man, I hope that you enjoyed this one. Share it with a friend. If someone, a friend of yours, a family member is, you know, feeling the anxiety of all of this, send it because this is useful information that they can start to apply right away. Yes. Screenshot your phone right now and tag us at momhood show, post it on Instagram. And also guys find our community on Facebook by searching momhood. There is such a fantastic group on there. You can ask personal questions, whether it's from potty training to, you know, an idea for a gift for your husband. I mean, I love our community on Facebook, so please find us over there. And I know I mentioned this already, but this Friday we're doing happy hour. We're having cocktails and conversation. It's super fun. I'm hosting and I can't wait for you guys to join me. So be there or be square. Or be square. And guys, if you have yet to write a review for the podcast, man, can I just ask you to to please take just a moment, sit down, give a five-star review, write what you love about this podcast so that other moms who stumble upon it can take a quick peek at those reviews, see that we're for real, and then subscribe and start joining the community. Yes. Oh, that would mean the world. Mamas, thanks so much for listening. We love you guys. We'll see you Friday. Bye. Bye.